Sexagesima Sunday. I'll tell you a story. The guy who paid for the altar platform and the altar and all the stuff was an old man who used to greet me. Didn't know much about him until he got sick unto death. He used, he used to stand for me every week. So he was about 80, 85. He would stand up as I came toward him, which was no easy thing. Then he would say, Happy Septuagesima Sunday, Pastor Bruzek. <laughs> and every week he, he knew what it was. And then he, he recited uh, by heart, kind of on his deathbed, Isaiah 40. And it was just like, it was the, he, you could tell it was the thing that he'd said over and over again. And it was the, and then when he died, he left us in his will money to uh, pay for the altar and the altar platform. And I think the railing too. It was pretty cool. So I, I think of that when I, uh, you know, come across Septuagesima and Sexagesima Sunday. He's given me a memory that I always sort of have with me. It's very, very nice. Um, you all should think about that. Actually, I have 52 announcements. We gotta, we're going to wrap all kinds of things up. You should think about putting St. John in your will, especially if you're over 60. Um, I'll, just, I'll, give you, I'll give you something I'm going to say during Lent, which is basically, you know, for you who are new here, Back in the um, 70s, there's a woman who left a million dollars in Sears stock to the, to the congregation. Older people know this. Left a million dollars in Sears stock. And when I came 30 years later, there was still a million dollars in Sears stock. Now, because you can Google things up, I just happened to Google that up one day to see what it would be worth if nobody would have touched it. Want to take a guess? $16 million. So what happened is in that 30 years is no pastor ever talked about money, and people never gave money. So now I'm zeroing in on the demographic over 60. Well, hold on. Um, what happened is nobody ever talked about money. In fact, the first sermon I ever talked about money, somebody said to me, I've been here 40 years. I've never heard a sermon about money. Well, the reason you never heard a sermon about money is because this woman left a million dollars. She also paid for some of the stained glass. She offered the church a pipe organ, and the person who was in charge, not the pastor, another person in charge of the money at that point said, we don't need a pipe organ. And she left her house. This is just a beautiful house right over here to the right over here to the church. That's a lot of jack. Well, what happened, though, is because there wasn't teaching along with that. It went into an endowment because there wasn't teaching along with that. The giving for 30 years at St. John was horrible. It was just horrible. I mean, by any account, it was horrible. And the whole generation of people, I'm coming at you if you're over 60, never learned to give. Hey, hey, this is your chance to make up. Here we go. Hey. <laughs> So, I mean, part of the thing, and I think there might be, there might be a thing on le legacy giving uh, during, during Lent this time we talk about money because we're going to try to get better at it. Um, we're really good. We're going to try to get better. That's kind of the message. But I will tell you, the very few people who have left, you know, I mean, Joyce Spicer, a quarter million dollars for the windows. You know, this gentleman who left, you know, I don't want to say his name because I didn't have permission, but, you know, it was fifty or $75,000 when he said sort of, hey, you know, I want to I buy something that matters. I'm like, hey, nothing matters more than the... I don't know if you know this, but after we got done with... Uh, probably never told you this. After we got done with um, the capital campaign, I went and found about another half million dollars on my own from people in the congregation to buy stuff. So there's people all over the place who are attached to things that you don't even know about, like this guy who just said... You know, we were kind of up against it. We were in the troubles. We wanted to finish the project. We needed money. So there were people that I would talk to and say, 
you know, can you do this? And it was, a, it, I mean, it was, it was a lot of money <laughs> to come up with an extra half a million dollars after you already raised um, whatever it was, two or three million dollars in a capital campaign. But there were people who were able to do that and were faithful their whole life. I just kind of want to appeal to you, uh, if you're over 60 in this congregation, to make up for lost time. Because, and that's, here's the thing, you have to be careful, you have to be careful, and I, I want to be careful about this. There are lots of people, Joyce Spicer, a great example, over 60 and extraordinarily faithful. You shouldn't think if you're under 60, all those people over 60 didn't pull their weight. You shouldn't think that. But a lot of them didn't. That's the, that's the truth. But many of them did. So when you see somebody around here, you shouldn't think ill of them. However, I will say, if you're over 60 in this congregation and nobody's taught you about this, you've got, you got a lot of making up to do in terms of just kind of thinking about how you run your life and what's important and what you do for the next generation and all that. So I just sort of put that out there. All that just from being sextagesima Sunday, right? Because I remember this guy who was so, like, you know, I mean, he treated me like a prince every time I met him, which I was really, he would stand every time I entered the room, which was an old custom for pastors, which is utterly unnecessary. I tried to get him not to stand. I mean, he could barely stand and he would stand. It was such a old school kind of thing to do. But um, I got 15 things to announce. And, well, so first thing is, I'm not here next week. So we're just not going to have Bible study. In the old days, we used to because we had more folks. We don't have enough people to, there's nobody I can pull to teach it. So take it. Go out to Starbucks next week. Love each other up, okay? Get ready for Lent. Do whatever you want. Take the Sunday off. Come here and drink coffee. I don't care what you do. But I'm going to be gone next Sunday. So nothing next Sunday. But the next thing that is, this thing for Carnival. We got that, uh, you got the balloons downstairs? Hey, if you don't respond to balloons, I can't help you. And here's the other thing, which is, uh, you might as well come because you've already paid for dinner. I mean, think about it. If it's free, what does that mean? You already paid for it. I mean, you bought a ticket, you might as well come, right? So, uh, you know, show up, there's going to be childcare, but you do need to sign up. Uh, hey, it wasn't my idea to wear masks, okay, but frankly, some people look better in masks, so it's going to all be okay, right? So it's going to be a very nice dinner. Uh, you get to see Pastor Nelson's movie debut, shot like a hipster on an iPhone. Hey, and I'm not, even, I'm not looking at it in advance, and hey, believe me, if it doesn't go well, I'm blaming him. Now, if it goes well, he gets all the credit, okay? But I, who knows what's coming? Um, so I would suggest to you that you should come along. Now, in this congregation at all, talking about money doesn't make you nervous, this is the tagline. We're really good at giving money. And I've, I've told you lots of stories. This group, the group that we have right now, is really, really good at giving money, but we want to get better. Speaking of which, pause, commercial time, in the basket for today. One of the things we're going to talk about during Lent is almsgiving. Alms always has an S for whatever reason, and alm is, alms is the singular and the plural. So uh, we're going to try to get better. So in the basket, if you give money today, this is a great example of it. The Burmeisters are going to Africa for two weeks, right? Okay, they're going for two weeks. They're going on Friday. They're going for two weeks. Two weeks, is that right? So if you put money in the basket, and this is one of the most fun things when you go overseas, I'm sure they'll just take the money in cash, and they will just give it to people, pastors, people who need it. That's just a great example of an alm. It doesn't come out of your tithe, which is the normal budget. It's just an extra thing. Now, John's not here this morning. You'll take charge of that and count that up and make sure that that's okay. You always do. Fantastic. Shows you how little I know about the other end of the business. That's good. So that, that's good. Okay, so if you give, an alm is just kind of the above the 10% thing that you give to the poor. You know, it's, if you buy a paper, a streetwise paper downtown, you give the guy 10 bucks. That's an alm, you know. 
when you give coffee to the people cold outside the Starbucks, that's, that's given alms. When you see the pads people coming out and they don't have breakfast and you help them, that's, that's given an alms. So any place, any place you do that. So where am I? Got the altar, you're real good, come to Carnival. Come to Carnival, for goodness sake, sign up, okay? Don't wait till the last minute, because they have to call the caterer. Um, this couldn't be more low maintenance. And it'll be, it's not gonna be much talking and teaching. It's gonna be a very, it's gonna be a lot of eating and drinking, right? The big, the big feast before the fast of Lent. It's gonna be a lot of goofing around and having fun. There'll be a very little bit about setting the stage. But, you know, fair warning, we're going to talk about money all Lent because we talked about prayer and fasting last year. We talked about devotional life the year before that. I mean, this is, this is like falling off a log for you. But we have to keep bringing things to our memory because we're sinful and forgetful, and we also want to get better. So, Carnival, sign up. Pause. Any questions? There's a thing right back there, a, a colored announcement that will tell you where to go sign up. Next, um, Women's Retreat. Uh, they're reading this book. And the author is coming out. Meltem Akhtas, who made our icon, it's a good friend of hers. Um, she wrote this book. These are letters they pass back and forth in the midst of her conversion from atheism to um, Christianity. So it comes into a book. I met her probably a year ago, a year and a half ago at a something downtown somewhere. It was at Meltem's church. What were we there for? I don't know. Oh, for Tizé. We went to a Tizé student. There were some Tizé people from France. She's a remarkable young woman. Um, young, calm, interesting. Here's the thing. If you're a woman in the congregation and you can go to this, you should go. And if you have friends who are interested in the church, the point of these things is to make them completely non-threatening. This is as non-threatening as it can get. You get the book. You don't have to do anything in advance, though. Um, the exact schedule, I'm not sure of. It's just on Saturday, though, right? She's just coming on Saturday? She's just coming on Saturday. But, but if you want to goof off on Friday night, there's a goof off time on Friday night. And the, 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 hard, the heavy lifting is, is on Saturday, is that right? Donna knows all about this, but you should sign up and please again, they release hotel rooms and make announcements and blah, 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 right? Now, I think we can all agree, who gave me this to you? Men are stupider than women. Can we agree on that? It's in the Bible somewhere. So the men actually get two lectures at their retreat, okay? Because, I mean, men are just slow. I mean, I think you can, if you've ever known a man, you know this about them. They just take more work. I mean, think about Valentine's Day. Just think about it. Okay, your husband could use more work. All right? So um, Dean Wenthe's coming. I mean, he's as good as it gets. He's an interesting guy. He was president of the seminary. He's a Ph.D. from Notre Dame in Old Testament. It's about beauty and Christ and incarnation in the Old Testament. He's also going to preach on Sunday. Again, this is meant to be a bring your friends. Like, this is like, you, all you have to do is stumble in the door, okay? It's really a very low bar. I mean, you know, only the steak fry has a lower bar, and that's just because it's closer, all right? So here's the thing. It's pizza and beer and one lecture on Friday. It's breakfast and one lecture on Saturday. You only pay if you're staying overnight. You can come one time. You can come both times. Even if you don't stay overnight, you still don't pay for the meals. So just men, listen to me, okay? Put on your Homer Simpson hat. Free beer, okay? Am I getting through to you? I can't. We don't know how to. Well, I mean, we're trying to meet you where you are, but we, you know, we can only do so much. All right. So there you go. You got it. Yeah. All right. Everybody good? Uh, so no class next week. Sign up for carnival. Sign up for the women's retreat. Sign up for the men's retreat. Okay. Anything else I forget? I forget. Burmeister's giving alms. Jen Cole. We have changed venues to make sure that the beer is colder than last year. All right. I'm a man and not a god, Steve. 
But here's what I can do. I personally will take your beer outside and put it in the snow. All right? Because I love you, and no man should suffer more than he has to during Lent. All right? So, y'all good? All right, everybody good? All right. But if it's yellow, it's in the snow. Dust? Hey, 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 hey. All right. Um... Because we're because it's you know because we got a lot going on. Usually I try to work a couple of weeks ahead, and then I, I give you stuff, and that keeps you from, you, you sort of know where we're going. This one came to you in pieces, unfortunately, but nevertheless the pieces are what they are. So, um, I gave you a thing from Bonhoeffer on Acedia. I I won't read that to you, but I just I'm always poking around. I found that, and I thought I'd give you that because we talked about that a few weeks ago. The thing I really want to talk to you about is the thing that says addendum on it, okay? If you, um, you know, if you were here the last couple of weeks or if you had the previous, I also put, you know, both copies of the previous. Here's the thing. Um, I, I, I meant to write this Bible study as a very practical thing. So often when we don't do the right thing, we suggest to ourselves that we don't have the resources. Okay? This whole Bible study is to suggest to you that you actually do have the resources. That the Holy Spirit is active in you, that he's given you gifts, that Christ has modeled these gifts, he's exemplified these gifts, and that the Christian life is to imitate him. And you have the strength, you know, diminished of course always by sin, but you do in fact have the strength to do the right thing. And you can do that not because you run by your own steam, but because the Holy Spirit has given you the gift and given you the energy. So that's where we started. He gives you the energy, faith, hope, and love. He gives you the gifts. Among the gifts we've come to is strength. Okay? Now, it's a bit of a weirdness because often you have Paul saying things like, you know, I'm strong in my weakness. And then you're like, how does that work, you know, and what goes on? Um, but I tried to take you through some of these, and I'm just going to take you through these last ones. I said to you, a good exercise in strength shows itself in many ways. If you had the old outline, this is number four. It says, you don't start sinning. So one of the ways strength shows itself, resist the devil. In, in, in fact, I put the wrong thing. I put fleeing temptation and resisting the devil. It should have been, resist, should have been resisting Satan, right? So resist the devil and he'll free from, flee from you or flee temptation. So one way not to sin is you don't start, right? The great examples of this. I mean, you know, you talk to people who've been addicted to heroin. They talk about being addicted or, or meth. One of the things is people get addicted from the first blow. Boom. I mean, this is when you talk to your kids, when you talk to people you know. It's like you can't even do that one time. You might not be the person, but for many people, after one go, you're dead. I mean, that is the end of it. Uh, I mean, I, this is just so funny. I, Dave Schlussman is down in Tennessee at his other, other house. Now, I, now somebody will rob his house because I said that. <laughs> Shoot. All right, well, anyway, somebody stole his boat. And the guy was talking to me, and he's like, this is just so funny. I mean, he, he said, this guy, they said, we know who stole it, but, you know, it's over there, and we don't, we don't want to kind of go after it and worry about it. And Dave's like, Rrr. and then the, the, the sheriff said to him, it's all meth addicts who are stealing them. And he said, if we don't catch them, he said, they're all dead within three years anyway. And do you know this? The life expectancy for meth addicts is like, I was like, Rrr? he's like, yeah, I mean, people die so fast, you know. 
you go all Walter on this, but you know, breaking, but anyway, you know, you know who you are over there. Yeah, there you go. See, that's the thing about you. All right, so, you know, I mean, you don't even, one of the ways you resist things is you just don't start. Um, another is to stay put. That was the second one I gave you, and Jesus is very clear about that. Abide in me and I in you. You know, we do this from the very first day at St. John. Jesus moves you from one place to another. Stay put. Live within the glory you've been given. The next one is you just keep going, that Jesus gives you the strength to overcome difficulties. You actually have it. And then the last one I put there is dying well. I'm going to do that. But before I do that, I should have put in this other page about witnessing well. Okay? So I'm looking at the thing that says addendum to number nine. That your life is meant to be a good witness. And strength is part of that good witness. We often see this at the death point. We say we, it was amazing how the family got through that. I mean, the guy I just told you about, right at the death point, you know, he recites Isaiah to me and then he you know, gives me $75,000 to buy a new altar. And that's just, that's just dying well. That's being strong. Um, that's being a good witness. I mean, I'll never forget that guy. It was just like, this is just what I do. This is just what I do. Oh, this is what I do. The thing is, is we often think we make the mistake of thinking we're not strong enough. And that, in fact, is a mistake. We make the mistake of thinking we're not strong enough. When, in fact, Jesus has given us all the strength that we need. Okay? Now, if you don't really understand the problem, you don't know how to fix the problem. The problem is not that you don't have the strength. Pick something. Pick tithing. We're going to talk about that. This problem isn't that you don't have the strength. The problem is we don't have the follow-through. The problem is that we don't have the resource. The problem is that we don't have the commitment to it, the, the execution. The problem, the problem is not in a lack. The problem is in a delivery. So, so the question is for you. I want to shift your focus this morning, and I, and I want to shift it to the execution. Because you can do all kinds of things you think you can't do. You think you can't do them, but you can do them. I mean, if you're standing with the baby Jesus, he's saying to you, why aren't you doing that? You say, I don't have it. He's like, it's right there. I gave it to you. All right, now, and there's all kinds of aspects of that, including how you work together in a community. If you're part of a community, if you're part of a community that lives in a particular way, if you're part of a community that's very loving, it's easier to be loving. The opposite is true, too. If you're part of a community that complains all the time, it's easy to complain. You know, so it's so important. The scripture talks about all the time about cultivating you know, the loving things and, and, and destroying, smashing the things that are unloving, right? So, here's the point. I'm one, two, three, four down. We're trying to be as practical as we can. Execution. Here's the point. We have gifts that we don't use. And we've had a number of them already. We've, strength is where we are, but we've talked about knowledge. It's not that we don't know. We know what's right and what's wrong. Is that we don't do it. It's, it's not that we, you know, are, are don't, 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 it's that we forget how important Jesus is, right? Or, or even happiness, you know, the very first one we did was, you know, delight in the Lord, being happy. I mean, really, as Kleinig, you know, once said, we were talking about this, Kleinig once said to me, he said, he said, here's the thing. He said, billions and billions of things go right for every one of us every day. Think about your own life. Billions and billions of things are going right for you right now. Your heart's beating. Your kids are safe downstairs. You got to go to the Eucharist. There's air in the room to breathe. There's no civil war. It's not like the Congo where somebody shows up with machetes and kills 70 people, hacks them to death just to kind of scare them. I mean, you, you, billions and billions of things go right for us today, and we somehow can't be happy about that. 
yesterday at Kirby work yesterday, so I, I mean, you would think that this is the ultimate in depression. This, I was so happy about this. I sat on my couch for three hours with the lights off and watched it get dark outside. It was glorious. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. As it got dark, it was so cool because there was snow on the ground. Because things have just been a buzz around here. You know, with Martha going and, you know, we're ramping up for Lent and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I went home and I turned off the lights about 3 o'clock. I mean, nothing was. It was dead silent. The only sound was the dog snoring occasionally on the floor <laughs> next to me. And I just, I just watched it get dark. And I thought, if anybody was watching me, they would think that I'm going to pull out a gun right now and put it in my mouth. In fact, it was just the opposite. It was like, I cannot believe. It's been so long since I watched it get dark. I couldn't believe how great it was. I was like, this is fantastic. I only turned the lights on because you were coming home. And I didn't want you to think, what's been going on here? It's not that we don't have the things to delight in. I mean, they're all around us. It's, that the, we, it's not that we don't have the resources. It's not that we don't have the resources. It's that we don't execute. Now, what keeps you from the execution? I gave you this once before, but I, I don't think I was clear enough about it. What happens is, is you're made up of different pieces. And things work well when all your pieces work. So here's the greatest mistake, seminary guys, the seminary guys that we, and you know, I've made this mistake too, but, uh, but not as bad as they do. No, so, so here's the thing. One of the things that new pastors do, especially liturgical pastors, is they think they can come to the... By the way, I want to apologize to you. Sorry, I kind of lost you on the benediction there. Honestly, God, you know what happened? I was praying, and I forgot where I was at the end of the first service. I'm really sorry. I'm like, I was, I was praying, and then, I, you know, because Nelson was praying, and I was praying, and I was thinking about stuff, I was praying about stuff, and then, then suddenly it came to me like, nothing's happened. I'm like, <laughs> why didn't somebody do something? Then I look up and Nelson's looking at me and he's like, why don't you do something? <laughs> so I just, I just say, and I'm sorry, I got a little, I forgot where I was every once in a while. You know, it was kind of fun. You know, the, the Russian saying, there's no Sabbath for a rabbi. I took a little Sabbath there just for a second, but I promised to pray less and do better going forward at the altar, okay? But it was just, I just, you know, sorry, I lost my place. I know it kind of goofed the rhythm up. Um, I shouldn't have sat in the dark yesterday. I started feeling too good about myself. <laughs> All right, so, so here's the thing. We have all, what the, one of the biggest mistakes, the liturgy is a great example of this. So, you know, we make a big deal about the liturgy. The thing is, a poor liturgy, it makes people want to slit their wrists. And sometimes what happens is people come in, and the music is played, and it's like a dirge, and the pastor, like, just thinks as long as he goes 20 minutes and says, Jesus, Jesus, a couple of times, it's all going to work out. And there's no energy in the room. And people are like, you know, you got to be kidding me. You've all been to churches like this? You have. Don't, don't admit it, or don't name them at least, okay? But you've been to churches. We want to be opposite that church. Why? It's not, you know, fair enough. You know, you read the text, the Word of God is proclaimed. But really, you know, read it like Alec Baldwin. You've heard Alec Baldwin is in trouble. He remarried. He turned Catholic. Do you know this? Oh, yeah, and on Long Island, they let him read the gospel. I'm so glad I'm not a pastor on Long Island. Because here's the thing, then all the fancy people get to read. So Alec Baldwin, you know, he, he reads the gospel in his, there's a big controversy on, on, you know, in the Hamptons. Because he stands up and he reads the gospel. Well, you know, he's politically connected and he's a bit raw sometimes. But, hey, he's Alec Baldwin, so he gets to read the gospel, right? He's famous. So what's happened is some people at the point of the gospel where everybody stands up, there are some measure of people who are on opposite side of either politics or life. They turn their back to him when he reads it. In the, in the mass, I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not pastor there. 
I mean, can you imagine having to sort that out? Yeah, that's fun. Anyway, I digress. The thing is, is <laughs> the point of all that is it's all connected because here's the reason it's connected. Sometimes we act like if we just say, hey, Jesus loves you, go in peace, serve the Lord. We kind of slob through it with no energy as if it doesn't matter. Guess what? You may reach some people, the red-hot people on an intellectual level, but people who've come to have their heart soothed because maybe something's gone wrong or somebody doesn't love them or, you know, the you know, the girlfriend broke up with them or they got a bad score or, or did, got a bad job review. You haven't, those people, they're not thinking straight. And so you have to engage them at the level of the heart. And if the music isn't played well, and if the preaching isn't delivered well, and if the liturgy doesn't have life, and it doesn't keep the pace, and if you don't choose the songs that people need to sing, or if you, you know, if you do any of those things, yeah, intellectually you may have it correct. You may get people at the level of the mind, but Jesus himself says, your body, mind, and spirit. So you, you have to connect to people not only at the level of the brain, you have to connect to them at the level of the heart and then also at the level of the body, which is why we touch kids when we bless them, why we anoint, why we splash water, why we smell things. Because some days your brain isn't working, so what you need is at the level of the heart. Someday your heart is cold. So we need to explain to you why your heart is cold. Someday your heart and your mind are both cold. On those days we take you to the font and we hold you under in our own little version of waterboarding, until you come to your senses. Then we pull you up, tell you to remember your baptism, and send you home. Right? You didn't think that was funny. Maybe it was a waterboarding reference. I don't know. But the thing is, is we have to gather you. Every service is meant to touch you at all points, okay? And if one doesn't work, if your heart's behind, we might try to get through your mind. Sometimes you just smell it, and you're like, I'm in church. We had, Val had some people visiting the preschool the other day. And uh, they walked in, they, the, the woman went, and Dal says, well, you, you, know, that's, you know, that's incense left over from morning Eucharist. The woman goes, I know what that smell is. And then they rolled their kids in preschool. Okay? So you don't always get to people because, you, oh, we give you 10% if you pay your tuition early and blah, blah, blah. That's intellectual argument. Sometimes it's just they can smell the incense left over from morning Eucharist. Okay? So the point of this is you have to engage people at every piece. And if you do not, and sometimes some pieces work and sometimes other pieces don't work, and you've got to engage them where they are. If you don't do that, you'll have a sterile church. So now you can begin to see how much motion is going into keeping things going. Because the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, those gifts have to be applied at least at three levels. They have to bear fruit. The next thing we do is be these gifts bear fruit. So the fruits of the Spirit come after the gifts of the Spirit. So you have these seven gifts, and then you have you know, however you number the fruits, you know, eight or twelve or however you want to number them. But everything has to be working all the time at the same level. And here's the thing. If you don't do this, you'll never get any better. I mean, you'll just bump along. You'll be like every other church all the time. and you know, boring, and your kids don't want to come, and who cares, and nobody thinks... On the other hand, if you cultivate these things, if you rejoice in these things, if you remember these things, if you talk about these things, if you use these things well, today, if you use the strength that you've been given, if you use the resources, if you apply the resources you've got, then you continue to be blessed and it just gets better and better and better and better and better. Okay? Now, I'm all the way down to like where cer certainly sin disorders us. But that's not actually what I want to talk about today. I know that sin disorders us. So if you're sinning a lot, you don't, can't see very well. Things look kind of fuzzy. And frankly, you know, the world tells us to love things we probably shouldn't love. It is very interesting how I, I'm pretty well convinced that 
almost nothing matters except money to the world. I mean, corporations, people will do anything for money. It is really stunning to watch. I mean, it's the slow, I'll run you a margin comment um, in a couple of, maybe mid-length, that will be about how societies devolve into chaos and eventually are destroyed. And America has the markers of it. It's Muggeridge, Muggeridge, it's an old Muggeridge comment. I've run it a time or two before Malcolm Muggeridge, where he just says, you know, the overinterest in eroticism, um, completely given to money, ignoring the needs of the poor. I mean, he said, every great society that's fallen has, has had these things like a checklist. So, you know. Um, certainly, we get disordered, right? And I give you these things. Um, it's, you know, very rarely are you under demonic attack. Occasionally it is, you know. This is great. Every once in a while you get a phone. This week we get a, I get a, so I will play you be me. So I get a phone call, somebody I'd never heard of before. Hey, pastor. Hey, father. So hey, father. So I, already I had it out. Hey, father. You know, I, I got something going on in my house over. I think my son's like 20 years old. I think he needs an exorcism. Could you give me a call and get on over here? So what did I do? That's, Exactly. That is exactly what I did. I forwarded to Nelson. I said, hey, take care of this one, would you, big boy? Uh, so, I mean, really, if, if she starts, hey, Father, the thing is she probably knows enough to know she's got the wrong, uh, she needs another church. And if she really needs an exorcism, she needs an exorcist. I mean, I would take care of you, but her son's not my charge. That's somebody else's. You know there are. We've talked about this. You know, there are, there's a, there are priests who are trained just as exorcists. Every, every summer at the Vatican, they have special training. They gather all the exorcists from around the world and give them a special training. The Diocese of Chicago has a full-time exorcist. But that's somebody else's. That, you need a specialty for that um, if they're not your people. I took it as, in some ways, maybe a, perhaps a temptation to get over out of the front top of my skis. So uh, we'll see what happens. Anyway, that's rare. But things take more subtle forms, usually pain and popularity and success and being left out. Those are the things that trouble the heart often. When we get pain, when we're in pain, we can't see. We're crying too much. We can't see very well. When we feel left out, marginalized, we feel like nobody loves us, then our hearts hurt. And we, you know, can start to love the wrong things. Um, the church has always said that all of these pieces go wrong when you're in temptation. Your body goes wrong. Your mind goes wrong. Um, your heart goes wrong, and you sort of can't see. And the great danger is then that you will use your strength to latch on to or execute in the wrong way, to latch on to the wrong thing. You'll grab the wrong thing and hold it. You'll do the wrong thing because your strength is misguided, okay? And I was, I've been kind of reflecting. It's very interesting to watch Olympic athletes who, when you kind of get to that level, if you listen to them talk, primarily what they talk about is intellectual strength or, or psychic strength. It, the body almost disappears in some ways. I mean, when you line up the specimens, they all look, you know. I was watching figure skating with my wife. Oh, not everybody thinks that's funny. Wait, some people think that's normal. Raise your hand if you think that's normal. You should get some help watching figure skating with my, you know. You've done it. You love a special place for you in home. <laughs> you watch figure skating at the lives with your wife and your mother-in-law. I can't, I can't even comment on that. I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know what to do with that. I really don't. I do not know. I'm a man of your caliber, I don't know. I mean, this is like Elijah being taken up in the fiery chariot. 
seen anything quite like that before. The guy who crashed into the boards and got the American and you know got uh, hurt himself, you know, and then got up and skated. And I mean, people, they slashed the guy on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it. Uh, I mean, and he wrote back and he just said, "Hey, everybody trains for the Olympics." He said, "I put my whole life into getting here." And then he said the most interesting thing. He said, "Everything, ha everybody handles that kind of pressure differently." He said, "You may not know it, but everybody who gets to this level has to handle it." And he's, it was kind of sad. He said, some people handle it at the proper time, and some people don't. Uh, and then he said something about flipping off the crowd, too, but I'm not going to give you that part. Okay. <laughs> he did sort of end with the end. Yeah. So, you know, it probably wasn't the best ending because the first part was actually pretty interesting. But, I mean, that is a form of strength. The intellectual strength to say, you know, and you can, you can, and these all run together at some point, but to say, I can control my fear at this moment or I can keep my focus, you know. Did you watch the, what was we watching? The, the grand, it's, a, it's the Super G, where you don't get to ski the course in advance, and 18 of the first 23 racers didn't finish. Did you see this? It's like, you know, but the people who finished were the people who could, who got the word, you know, at the beginning, but who got the word and could keep the discipline. It's very interesting. So, so often, it's not just about the strength of, physical ability, strength of the body, it has to be interplayed with the strength of the mind and also the strength of the heart. To love the right things, to do the right things, to choose the right things, right? And sin deforms that. So the Holy Spirit is constantly saying, do the right thing, do the right thing, do the right thing. The devil is constantly saying, did God really say? The world is constantly saying, that's not really important. It's not that you don't have the strength. It's not that I don't have the strength to do this. It's really about, are we going to do it or not? I'd pound on this, but when I pound on it, it's not effective. It's not an effective tool, you see. You know, it's, it's not that we don't have the strength, you know. It's just like it's the same money thing. It's not that we don't have the money. It's that the money's in your pocket, you know. It's not that we don't have the love. It's the love is locked up in your heart, right? It's not that we don't have the gift. And Jesus, over and over again, and I, you know, I've sort of run on about this, but um, I just give you these last things. Even Jesus, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves, be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. See, there's a strength in being shrewd and in weak. That's the one thing the world doesn't get, that weakness can be strength. Or, you know, Jesus, when you can't figure out what to do, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and then to lose his soul? Right? Or, I was, Genesis 50 is the end of the Joseph story. You know the Joseph because you've seen the Technicolor Dreamcoat. But you know what happened with him, you know? They thought he was a bit proud. They thought they'd break him down. Went a little farther than they thought it should. They tossed him in the well, as in Jesus tossed into the tomb. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. They get out. They pull him out. They make him a slave. He becomes almost king. His brothers come. The old man dies. They think that he will slay them. And instead, he says, you don't have to fear me. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. You should think crucifixion at this point. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, that many people should be kept alive. So here's the thing. Strength, if you don't, if you, strength is not what the world says strength is. Strength is what God says strength is. Sometimes strength is weakness. Sometimes the cross is strength. Sometimes generosity is strength. Sometimes an open heart. Um, you know what? I'm just going to read you. I'm gonna, I, we got to go, but I'm going to just read you this. Turn your Bibles open because you thought this wasn't Bible study. 2 Corinthians 6, 4 to 10. We'll just end with that. 
I read this. One of the things you, sh you can do, sometimes people say, you know, what translation should I buy and all this. My answer would be buy a lot of translations. Because I came across this in a translation I favor that's not very good. Or it wasn't really well accepted. It's, um, but sometimes, man, it says it. It says it the way you want to say it. So just 2 Corinthians 6. Hopefully I got the right bit here. Yeah, 4 through 10. Now remember, the Corinthians were very... Corinth, Corinth was like New York City, man. They had all the resources, but they couldn't quite get them channeled in the right way. There were a lot of contenders and a lot of problems, so they had denominations right away. You heard it today. I follow Apollos. I follow Cephas. There were great temptations to the flesh. They had a lot of idol worship. The brothel in town, no lie, was right next to the library. So, I mean, you just take one door over. And, and the prostitutes in Corinth used to wear sandals that when they went on the sand, this is so, so weird, on the bottom, they would talk about advertising, they would leave an imprint that said, follow me. That was very interesting because the same words that Jesus spoke, right? So they'd, they'd wear sandals that when they would walk in the sand would say, follow me. And, of course, you would follow to this huge brothel that was right next to the library downtown. It's just the most amazing. So it's this, it's just like everything. It's, you know, it's Sodom and Gomorrah. It's, it's, near, it's everything, okay? And Paul is trying, he writes two letters and maybe three because we think one's been lost to straighten that out. And then, you know, he knows about strength, you know. So, so here's what he says, you know. Verse three, we don't put an obstacle in anybody's way, right? But it's verse four, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way right? Through great endurance in afflictions and hardships and calamities. Not what the world normally sees as strength. You know, or, although it does some days, like when firemen rush into a burning building. Beatings, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watching hunger. Usually people who are being beaten and imprisoned are not the people who we say, that's our leader. But then every once in a while, you know, Mandela arrives. By purity, knowledge, forbearance, kindness, the Holy Spirit Genuine love. Those are the things we're talking about. There they are, right? Truthful speech, the power of God. Now, the reason you get so many of these things is you start to see how they manifest themselves in particular things, right? With the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honor and dishonor, ill repute and good repute. So, you know, I mean, now politics season goes all the time, 24-7, and politics is all about trying to keep your name good and somebody else's name evil. I mean, it just is just remarkable stuff. We are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown, yet well known, as dying, behold, we live, as punished, yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich. And then this is great, as having nothing. And you know how the translation was in this other book I was reading? As having nothing and we own the world. I mean, that's a great translation of that. As having nothing and we own the world. It was the greatest. It was like, all right, you know, you stick with it. So um, the church knows this. This is kind of finishing up. At some point, you're going to trust somebody. I mean, this is the old thing where if you don't make a decision, you're making a decision. You're going to trust somebody. You're going to trust yourself. You're going to trust the guy you work with. You're going to trust your wife, your kids. You're going to trust television, politician. You're going to trust somebody. You're going to trust something. You're going to trust somebody. You know, you're going to choose for something. You're choosing for something in everything that you do. I mean, if you stand up and walk out of here, you're choosing. So the question is, you know, what is it that you will choose? That's the question. Or in our case, who is it that you'll choose? And of course, um, you choose Christ, you choose the church, you choose love. 
you have the strength to do that. But the point is, you know, choose. Choose what's right. And in saying that, I'm not saying anything about, you know, you're earning your salvation. I'm saying, you've been moved. Abide in Him. Now choose what's right. And that's the best possible witness to the world. All right. I think I got it all in. Don't, don't come back next week. <laughs> you should use your energy. You should choose to sign up for the men's retreat, the women's retreat, the carnival. Use all the strength you might use next week in Bible study to sign up for those things right now. And then come back the week after, okay? Let's pray. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, thanks. See ya.